following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. Second mm. Timothy 3:16 and 17 says, "All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And since every word of Scripture is breathed out by God himself, every word of Scripture counts. Every word is God's word. With this in mind, we're going to look at just a few words uh, this morning. The few words found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And that's page 1018 in the Pew Bibles. So we'll read that together. 2 Peter 1, 1 and 2. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the awesome privilege that we enjoy to gather together around your word, written in a language that we understand, free to gather together as a people. And we pray, Lord, that now this time would not just be uh, an explanation of the Bible, but that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit to each one of us. May the power of God be evident in the preaching of your word. Speak to us, Father. We long to hear your voice. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, as you may remember, if you were with us last week, um, and I, I hope is clear for, um, from the uh, plain reading of this text, that the author of this letter is Peter, um, the Apostle Peter, originally named Simon or Simeon, but renamed Peter by the Lord Jesus after his confession of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Somebody sent me a cartoon this week that uh, Jesus changed Peter's name right after he got business cards that said Simon the Fisherman, and there goes that. Thank you, Will. Uh, So there's a lot of confusion about our brother Peter. Um, The Catholic Church teaches that Peter himself is the rock upon which Jesus was going to build his church. And that there has been an apostolic succession after him of pope after pope after pope until whoever the pope is today. Well, that's inaccurate. The truth of the matter is the reality of the rock that Christ will build his church on is the confession that Jesus is the Christ. It's what Peter said, not who Peter was. Um, that the Lord Jesus built his church on. The confession that Jesus is the son of the living God. 
the Messiah, the longed-for Messiah. Now, it's certainly not, um, it's not that Peter isn't important. Of course he's important. He truly is. But the things he writes in these two verses share a little bit more about the reality of Peter's standing before God and also ours. Uh, And I hope that that's an encouragement to you. Peter calls himself a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. This phrase used by Peter and also uh, by Paul, servant and apostle, was one of humility. Um, Humility and also dignity, at least from our perspective. Um, The Greek word, Doulos, translated servant here in English, um, is a, well, servant is a polite translation. It means slave, um, one who is compelled to serve, one who is completely subservient to someone else. Peter recognized his relation to Christ and his total dependence on him. When he calls himself a servant, he means it. The other word, the word apostle, um, that word means a special messenger, one who is sent uh, on someone else's behalf. Now, we have a tendency to limit the number of apostles to 12, right? In our thinking, there are 12 apostles, right? And then there's everybody else. Well, that's not accurate either. The Bible actually refers to several other people as apostles. Um, It applied to Paul and Barnabas and other people in the church sent out to proclaim the gospel and plant churches. Um, That's what an apostle's job description is. Peter's mention of of this office was a reminder of the dignity that uh, that was his as an eyewitness um, and the one who was sent and, and one of the ones who was sent to proclaim the gospel by Jesus himself. Uh, that's a that's a big deal. Um, but again, the office of apostle is it, it, it's beyond the eyewitnesses. It's beyond those 12. It's those who were sent to proclaim the gospel and plant churches. That's why Paul was able to call himself an apostle and Barnabas and Silas and other people were uh, were called apostles as well because that was the job. Um, so if you remember from our study in Mark, um, or if we've ever had a conversation about the apostle Peter, um, I I tend to give Peter a hard time um, because when you read the accounts in the gospel of Peter's life, um, uh, he really makes it easy to give him a hard time because he's a total numbskull. He's like a uh, chief knucklehead in the band of the apostles. Um, but after the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, Peter becomes the kind of man that we can all look up to and emulate. Um, he boldly preached the gospel without fear uh, even across cultural boundaries, uh, boundary lines. And he wrote these wonderful letters to remind us of all that we have in Christ. I mean, before the Holy Spirit fell, he's like, uh, you know, I walk on water and start sinking immediately. Um, but he did get to walk on water. That's cool. Um, 
You know, he's got, I'm going to stand with Christ even though they all fall away. I'm going to stand with you, Jesus. And he's lopping off people's ears and stuff like that. And, and then deserted him and, and wouldn't, even, wouldn't even stand up for him in, in the presence of uh, slave girls. They're like, you know Jesus, right? No, 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 not me. He was a coward, right? But when the Holy Spirit came, he was a changed person, a person that we can all learn from and uh, imitate. Now, it's, it's important for us to remember how important Peter was in the life of the early church so that we can, um, we can really get the full effect of his next statement. The next thing that he says is, is huge. Because if you think about what your picture is just mentally of apostles, um, they're like up here, right? And we're like 21st century, you know, barely making it. Uh, they're like glow in the dark, right? And we don't, we don't do that. So listen to this statement. If that's, if that's true of you, if you feel like there is this huge disparity between you and apostles, uh, listen to this next statement. Simon, uh, Simeon, faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. A faith of equal standing with ours, right? This is, this is Peter, right? The Peter. A servant, an apostle, one of the originals, an eyewitness. He witnessed the transfiguration, right? He walked on water. He is there at the empty tomb, Easter morning, he saw the stone roll away. He saw Jesus himself ascend to the Father. He was there. He preached the gospel at Pentecost. Over 3,000 people got saved that day. This is Peter. Get him to sign your baseball. This is the Peter, right? And what does he say? To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? Obtain a faith of equal standing with ours. Equal standing, right? This is like getting asked to play in a band with Paul Balash, right? I mean, we're all the same. That makes sense. I thought we didn't like that song. I what? We just sang one of his best songs. Anyway, never mind. That was uh, okay. Um, I don't know. I sorry. That was weak. Anyway, first of all, the word that Peter used that's translated "obtained" was "obtained a faith of equal standing with ours." It's an important word. It's a grace-oriented word. Um, it excludes any kind of work uh, or merit. It's it's related to divine favor um, by grace, independent of man's control. They have obtained a faith not because they worked for it, not because they earned it or deserve it, um, but were given it, given faith. And we, like Peter, have received faith by the grace of God. And I pray that's true of you this morning. We don't deserve it. Neither did Peter. Our equal standing with Peter is not an elevated one. We do not deserve God's grace. Peter didn't deserve God's grace. 
James, John, Matthias, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, they didn't either. If you're wondering who those are, they're in there. There's 12 of them. Um, yeah, they were in a band. They were in a band, all right. Yeah, they all sang off key. We, like Peter, have received faith by the grace of God. We don't deserve it, and neither did Peter. And that faith that Peter obtained, that the original recipients of this letter obtained, that we obtained, is the truth of Christian doctrine. The ability to believe and trust Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness and justification, sanctification, and future glorification all given by God's grace alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one could boast. No one can boast. Now, in our thinking of the economy of, of believers in Jesus Christ, I mean, the 12 apostles, they can boast, right? I mean, they're... They're the guys, right? You can read the Gospels, and you can see they're a bunch of dopes, uh, and they have no right to boast either. Peter, Peter could have boasted. Look at all that he did. Look at all the things that he saw with his own eyes. But here he clearly states that believers, for all time, by God's grace, have a faith of equal standing with his, and with all the other apostles as well. These, I hope these words encourage you, not just, yeah, Peter was a dope. Uh, it's not, I don't want to tear him down, and I don't just want to lift you up, but I think we need to think about the equity here of faith. The fact that we are just as saved as Peter was. Right? We're, 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 we belong to God just as much as Paul and Timothy, right? Of all these superheroes that we read about in Scripture, we all stand on level ground. The simple truth is that no matter how much we like to elevate other people and hold them up as higher or better or more loved by God, better than us, more precious in God's sight than us. By faith in Jesus Christ, we are all the same. And that's a good thing. Peter, Paul, James, John, Calvin, Luther, Billy Graham, Joel Brown, you, me, we are all the same. By faith, we stand equal. Billy Graham said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. He wasn't the first to say it. it was in an old hymn first, but the ground is level at the foot of the cross. I, I don't think we get how huge this is because we like to categorize everything as as people. I could just be speaking for myself, but like there's, you know, we make levels of and we're not on somebody else's level. They're better than us and smarter and, and whatever. We have a tendency to do that. But when it comes to faith, there aren't any levels. There's one level at the foot of the cross. Paul said in Galatians 3.28, 
There's neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Like these words for the early church were huge because there were there were there were racial boundaries. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. Right. There are children of Abraham and everybody else. But in Christ, those two are made one in faith through faith in Jesus Christ. The Jews and the Greeks, they're the same. Right. That's us, too. There's no as far as faith in Christ is concerned, there's no male or female. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. You have faith in Christ. You are God's child. Standing on the same ground as everyone else. Are you a slave? Are you free? Are you a master? Are you a servant? It doesn't matter. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are all the same. We are all one in Christ Jesus. John Calvin said, all possessed by faith the same Christ with his righteousness and the same salvation. Their faith, our faith, Peter's faith is all equally precious in the sight of God. So there are no secret circles, right? There's no there's no higher levels, no separate classes. We are all one by the righteousness of God and our savior Jesus Christ. Because what matters is him. What what he did for us. Not well, you know, I'm up higher because I'm more educated. Right? I get to stand up here because I uh, have reached a higher level than you. You Go into my office and look for all the pieces of paper framed, hanging on the wall that says I'm more qualified and a better Christian than you. You'll find that there aren't any. There aren't any in the file cabinet either. We are all the same. Maybe our experiences are different. Maybe we, we like different flavored cereals. It doesn't matter because in Christ we're all one and it doesn't it doesn't matter. His righteousness is what is important, not who we are, not where we've been, but who he is and what he did for us. Jesus satisfied the justice of God, which demands the death of the sinner. It, that's justice. Not not when the shoplifter finally gets caught and sent to jail. That's uh, jail time isn't justice, friends. That's our, the American justice system, the world's justice system. God's justice, sinners get death. Great news, right? This is why we have equal standing. We are all equally sinners and all equally deserving of God's justice, death. Let's close in prayer with that <laughs> encouragement, right? Jesus satisfied the justice of God. He did so himself by paying the sufficient ransom for all mankind. He gave his own perfect, sinless, holy life in our place. When we start to think about what he did, it doesn't really matter so much about what, what we've done. Right? We start to think about uh, who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And, and all of a sudden, our kind of levels fade away. Because in reality, they don't exist other than in our own heads. 
Romans 3:22 through 26 says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's no A team, no B team. There is what God has done through Jesus Christ. And he has allowed us by his grace to have faith in him. Second Corinthians 521 says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we, we might become the righteousness of God. That's, a, that's quite a statement. Through faith in Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. Our righteousness is not glowing in the dark. Right? Righteousness means right standing before God. It's as if we had never sinned. By faith in Jesus Christ, we, along with Peter and countless of others, have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. Like, you can't tell I've been reading a lot of R.C. Sproul lately, can you? Like these words are huge even for me. Imputed to uh, Christ's righteousness imputed to us, meaning its value has been added to our account. Okay, we all know how bank accounts work, right? When there's nothing in there, right? Well, Jesus filled it, filled our account with righteousness. All that was there before was unrighteousness, sin. But by faith in him, he filled it with his righteousness. And it's ours now. When God looks at us, he only sees Jesus if we have faith in him. So that's verse 1. Right? <laughs> We're charging ahead here. What is Peter's wish for those of us who have obtained a faith of equal standing with his own? Verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It's been said that knowledge is the vehicle of the multiplication of grace and peace. But the word that Peter used for knowledge means more than just to know something, to be aware of facts, um, to know something or someone. That, that word, the Greek word, is gnosis. But the word Peter uses is epignosis, which sounds totally different, right? It's to know fully. It's complete knowledge, not just to know a little bit about something, but to know completely, to know fully. Paul expressed this idea beautifully when speaking of the return of Christ in 1 Corinthians 13, when he says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then when Christ returned, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I, am, I have been fully known. So now we know the Father in part. We know Jesus in part. 
And when, we, when he returns, we get to know him fully, even as we are fully known by him. Right? That day is coming. And that's not to say that all the knowledge that you have now, that's it. That's all you get. That's not true either. Because you can know more. Now, that's not secret levels and special secret handshakes. <laughs> to know m- more, we, we can increase the part that we know. Though we only know him in part, that part can increase. Getting to know him better through the way that he has chosen to reveal himself to us. Here it is. By studying his word, by reading his word, our perception of his grace and peace increases as our knowledge of him increases. This is the way that he has chosen to reveal himself to us. Now, like I said, I've been reading a lot of R.C. Sproul lately because October 31st is a huge day on the Christian calendar. Did you know that? It doesn't have anything to do with pumpkins and skulls and candies. But it does have to do with the Reformation of Martin Luther nailing his 95 theses to the door of the castle church at the College of Wittenberg. It's huge. Right? (laughs) It's okay. Um, Then the church did not have the Bible in a language that they could read. They had the Latin Vulgate which is a poor translation to begin with. And only the priest could have it. The church controlled it. And they controlled the people because they could say this is what the Bible says and nobody could say different because they didn't know. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But Martin Luther was a huge part of that because he started to read the Bible in the original languages, in Greek, in Hebrew. And it said something totally different than he had been taught. We have this wonderful blessing of God's word in a language that we can understand and a billion different translations to choose from. Some good, some less good. But still, if you want to hear God speak, you want to hear God's voice, read his word. It's how he has chosen to speak to us. You want to hear God speak audibly? Read it out loud. (laughs) This is the vehicle that he has chosen to multiply uh, grace and peace to us. By the multiplication of knowledge, what we need to know is here. There isn't secret revelation. There is no further levels. There is God's word, and we can all read it for ourselves. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, with Peter's and all the apostles, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for those who worked so hard and fought so diligently, even gave their lives, that we can have the word written in a language that we can understand. 
that the truth of your word has been preserved. And it still means what it always meant. Lord, I pray that you would apply your truth to our hearts this morning. That you would alter the way that we think, change the way that we behave as a result of what we learn from your word. Your word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray that it would pierce our hearts and that we would continue to grow in knowledge, knowledge of you, and grace and peace may be multiplied to us as a result. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your grace. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.